appreciate that. I, just thinking while we were singing those old hymns, I, I really, for the life of me, can't understand these churches that 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 just throw them entirely aside and never sing any of the old hymns. I, uh, wow, what a what a message that we've heard tonight, and, and it would be a shame to just. Uh, uh, treat those grand old hymns like they're meaningless. So anyway, Proverbs chapter 8, Brother Russell asked me what the title of the message was tonight, and I said, well, Proverbs chapter 8. But I do have a title, Russell, so you can put on there. You know, in in, in Proverbs, it's really difficult to give every message uh, a title because sometimes it changes subjects about like a phone book. I mean, boy, you just go from one thing uh, to another but but all of that is for a reason, and I've already talked about that and won't go into it. God knows that we need to hear certain things over and over again, and God arranged it exactly like He wanted it. Uh, but in this chapter, the whole of it has to do with the excellency of wisdom. And so the title of the message is The Excellency of Wisdom, but this is part one. There will be a part two, maybe a part three, but I, I think we can cover the chapter in in just uh, in just two messages that's uh, my goal anyway but i do know we won't get through with it tonight in this chapter let me make just a brief statement before we begin in this statement wisdom is personified and I simply mean it's spoken of as though it were a person. I know that I'm not presuming on your ignorance whenever I say that, but I think it's important that we we understand exactly what we're talking about. When he likens wisdom unto a woman, and and uh, and and by the way, in this instance, it's a woman that is crying out publicly to be heard trying to get the attention of people. And as you're going to see a bit later on, uh, we, we, we've, already, we've already, you know, talked about the strange woman, the one woman adorned as a harlot out on the street calling for the young man, the simple man, uh, to come to her. And, and so here is the contrast. This is what Proverbs is all about, a contrast between folly and wisdom. And so just as we've seen the strange woman, now we see wisdom pictured as a woman. Now, in the first nine verses, this section has to do with the availability of wisdom. The availability of wisdom, and then we'll talk about the value of it when we get down to verse 10. But notice in in verse number 1, he says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding... Put forth her voice. Now, the message here is presented in the integrity form. In other words, it's a it's a question. But notice, it, it's a question that expects an affirmative answer. I mean, you know, naturally the answer is yes. We know wisdom is crying out. That ought to be obvious, certainly to every student of the Bible, every child of God. Uh, knows very well that God is calling out to us uh, to get wisdom. And he tells us that over and over again. So this is dealing with something that God knows that, you know, we already know. The answer is easy. The answer is obvious. It's simple. And yet it's something that we need to think about. 
uh, we need to consider the fact that God is crying out to us uh, for wisdom. And then notice in verse 2, She standeth in the top of high places by the way of the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, and at the, at the coming in at the doors. Now, remember I said this has to do with the availability of wisdom. And so here we find wisdom, pictured as a woman, standing out in open and accessible places. Now, she is unlike the foolish harlot mentioned in chapter number 7. She was out in the darkness. She was trying to hide in the shadows because her deeds were evil and trying to entice a single young man that she had her sights set upon evidently but here wisdom is out publicly out in the streets at the gates i mean where everybody's going to uh, you know be coming by making herself available to everyone and how thankful we ought to be to god that wisdom is available that we don't have to depend upon our own reasoning we don't have to depend entirely upon the counsel of others although that can be good or it can be bad, but we don't have to depend upon that because God has promised to give us wisdom. It is available. Now, since it's available, that means that you and I, as Christian people, have no excuse for lacking wisdom. And uh, because God said, here it is. And, and if God's made it available, we need to accept it. But then notice in verse 4 and 5, she's making her appeal not only out in the public places, but to a wide variety of people. And just notice the different people mentioned here. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, uh, be of an understanding heart. So notice he speaks to men, and and then the, the sons of man, the simple, and the fools, uh, and, and uh, you know, if you just summed it all up, it's obvious that there's no one who is not in need of wisdom. We was talking the other day about the matter of spiritual growth and how that, that none of us ever in this life get to the place, you know, that we reach a, you know, a certain height, that we ascend to a certain level that, that we don't need to grow anymore. As long as we're in this world, we need to be growing Christians. And and uh, terrible things happen when we let our spiritual life stagnate. And uh, we've got to avoid that. Well, just as we ought to be growing, we need wisdom because every single day of our life, we are facing situations and things that call for wisdom. They might be things that seem to be minor matters. Things, you know, that we shrug our shoulders and it's no big deal, you know, to our way of thinking. But a lot of times it's in those little things that we end up, uh, we end up having big problems. And whenever you search through the Bible, you know, we, we talk about Satan exploiting our weak places, you know, and, and that's certainly true. But the fact of the matter is, when you search through the Bible, you discover that the great men who fail all fail in the area of their strength. You know, Abraham, known for his faith, where did he fail? Well, doubted God, even lied, trying to cover his tracks. You know, we think about David, and David loved the Lord, the man after God's own heart. But where did he fail? 
Well, we all know that story. Solomon, known for what? His wisdom. How how stupid could you get to do the things he did? So when they fell, they fell in their strong area. Now, it's important for us to understand because we need wisdom because we cannot leave any area of our life unprotected. And a lot of the decisions that, you know, that, that we make and the things that we do, every one of them has implications. And we've got to be careful that we make the right choice. And that's why we need wisdom. And so the appeal here is not to a select few, uh, you know, but it was to everyone. I, I mean, all of, the, uh, all, all of the people and right down to the fools. He says, you need to get understanding. Well, notice on in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9... And we'll look at these one at a time. But here in this part of it, the, the message of wisdom is spoken of as being of the very highest quality. In other words, this, this is not something that you can take or leave. It's something of extreme value, and he's going to talk about that later on. But, but that's the picture that we get here. And we think about what we do, and, you know, I think most of us, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I can remember reading Jack London and, and White Fang, White Wolf, uh, I forgot the name of it now. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of those books like that, you know, I enjoyed reading and not necessarily anything wrong with that. But, you know, if we're not careful, we can, we can get our minds so saturated with things that in and of themselves are, you know, not necessarily wrong. But the problem is they divert our attention away from what is best. Kind of like my mother said so many times, good, better, best, never let them rest till you're good as you're better and your better as your best. I, I thought she had lost her mind. Every time I turned around, she was saying that. And I, I didn't know why, but I mean, you know, years later, after I become a Christian, it really stuck with me. Hey, Mama wasn't so dumb after all. She knew what she was talking about. And, uh, you know, the greatest evil of, 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 of that which is best is not that which is worst. It's what is just good. We get sidetracked from what is really important in our life. So we need to understand the importance of wisdom. Well, he says, verse 6, here, for I will speak of excellent things. And this word excellent here is used in other places in reference to persons of rank, someone like a, a prince or someone like that. And so it's speaking about nobility, in other words. When I will speak of excellent things, this is, you know, above ordinary. This, this is something that is exceptional. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. You know, we hear a lot of things that are not right, but when wisdom speaks, it's always right. These excellent things, the the excellency of it comes in when understanding that it's right. And like old Dr. Truitt used to say so many years ago, and I I just keep repeating it, you know, it's one of the best sayings I've ever heard, you know, God's will is always right, it's always best, and it's always the safest route. You know, it's right. Whether we understand it or not, it's right. I told someone the other day, we were talking about a certain issue and, and, um, and, and, and I said, I admittedly, that's one of those parts of the Bible I don't understand. There are parts of the Bible I don't understand after nearly 50 years of studying the Bible. There are things that I don't understand. 
uh, and many of you have heard me say this, you know, if God just said, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and said, all right, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to let you tell this person what you think they ought to do. Uh, you know, if I didn't have the Bible to go by, I, I, I would have taken a different route. I would have told them to do the opposite of what God tells them to do. But when I know what God says, whether I understand the reason behind it or not, that doesn't matter. That's not important because when God says it, I know it's right. And that's all that matters. And wisdom, wisdom is, is, is uh, of, of excellence. Uh, and, and so he says, the words that I speak, they are right words. For Verse 7 now, for my mouth shall speak truth. Well, you know, whenever words are not, when they're spoken, if they're not, if they're, they're not right unless they're true. And we can always depend on the wisdom of God's Word to give us the truth. And wickedness, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Well, wickedness is, you know, whatever it is that's contrary to what's true and right. That's wickedness. You know, we try to neatly categorize sin, you know, by, uh, you know, we've got this real vile, filthy, terrible, horrible, bad uh, stuff over here. We, we put that, you know, under wickedness. And then we got the plain, ordinary, everyday, plain Jane kind of sins over here. And, you know, that's, that's not so bad in our sight. But anytime it is not true, anytime it's not in accordance to God's Word, it's wickedness. I mean, that's, that's the only way you can explain it. And wickedness, he says, is an abomination to God. In other words, it's something that is sickening to God. It's, uh, something that, that is offensive to God. Something that He repudiates. And boy, if it's an abomination to God, we need to stay away from it. And do a lot of folks good, you know, to go through the Bible and just, you know, take a concordance and look up that word abomination and, and, and just every time that it's used and see the different things that God says, you know, this is an abomination and that's an abomination. And, and boy, if it is, we're going to get ourselves in trouble if we indulge in it. Verse 8, all of the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward, that is nothing crooked or perverse in them. Now, whenever we listen to other people, we always have to make judgments. In other words, we have to sort out the good from the bad. Uh, I don't care how sincere a preacher is, regardless of how hard he tries, or a Sunday school teacher, or whoever it is, uh, they can be ever so sincere, but there are going to be times that we're going to get it wrong. Uh, there are going to be times that we'll misspeak. I, you know, I, I think about sermons. I, I remember one time saying, and I had no idea. I said it until after the service, and Bev said, and I knew a bunch of people snickered, but after the service, she said, you know what you said? And I said, well, no, I don't guess I did. She said, you said, if I could scare you into hell, I would. And uh, now that's what come out of my mouth, you know. And uh, I certainly would never say anything like that knowingly. I'm, I think we're all going to be really surprised when we get to heaven and the Lord reveals to us the truth about everything. And we, we are so dogmatic and emphatic right now. We just know we got it right. We're Baptists. 
we got it right. Everybody else wrong about this. I, I just got a, a sneaking suspicion, as we say back in Missouri, that we're going to really be surprised when we get there. And so we can rejoice in knowing that all of God's words are righteous. When you come to the Bible, you don't have to separate the bad from the good. It's all good. There's nothing bad about it. So he said, all of the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There's nothing crooked, nothing perverse about them. Verse 9 they are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. In other words, the point here is that those that are willing to listen to the voice of wisdom, they find her teaching to be clear and proper. A lot of times people say, and of course there's things that none of us really understand, but a lot of times people say, well, you know, Things I'm talking about things that ought to be clear to them, and, and they say, you know, I, I just I, I just don't understand that. I, I just that, that just doesn't sound right. Uh, I'm talking about Bible doctrines and and whatever. And, and a lot of times the reason that they don't understand is the fact that they're not willing to accept what they've heard. And it's it's like people talking about, well, you know, I know the will of God is right. I just want to do the uh, the will of God. If I just knew what God's will was, you know, uh, that's all I need to know. I just want God to reveal His will. Well, wait a minute. Jesus said if any man's willing to do His will, he'll know what it is. In other words, if we're truly willing to do what God wants us to do, God's not the author of confusion. He, we're not playing some kind of a game or working a puzzle trying to see who can discover the will of God the fastest. That's not it. If I'm willing to do God's will, I'll know what God's will is. And, and if I'm willing to accept the truth about what the Bible says, no conditions, if I'm willing to accept it, God will give me an understanding of it. You know, it's we, where we control is when we want to argue with God about it instead of just accepting it. And so he says here, they are all plain to him. He's talking about his words now, these righteous words. And he says, they're all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Now, We've considered the availability. Remember, we're still talking about the excellency of wisdom. And these first nine verses nails down the fact that it is available. So we're without any excuse. Now we come to verse 10, 11 and 12. And here the emphasis on wisdom shifts from its availability uh, to its value. And so many times we exhaust ourselves, you know, in pursuit of things that have Totally no spiritual value whatsoever. Uh, I said a while ago that one of the devil's biggest tricks is to divert our attention away from things that really matter and get us all involved in things that in and of themselves are not sinful, but things that tie us up and, and rob us of the time and energy to do what God wants us to do. That's why Paul, whenever he was talking to Timothy, you remember, he said, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. 
So we can't afford to get all tied up in all of the affairs of this world. We need to be looking for things that are of of spiritual, eternal value, and that's the point of this here. Uh, And, you know, verse number 10, he says, Receive my instruction, now notice this, and not silver. Now, surely we all understand that he's not telling it's wrong to possess silver. That's not the idea at all. And a lot of people got the idea it's wrong to be rich. There's not anything wrong with being rich if God makes you rich. There's something wrong with seeking riches. That's where the problem comes in. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. And uh, Solomon was wealthy, but God, God gave him what he had. Uh, Israel prospered. It was not that they deserved it or anything, but God gave it to them. So it's not that anything's wrong with silver, but rather that we ought to, we ought to pursue after his instructions. Receive my instructions and not silver. You, you know, human nature has never changed. It's still all about the money. It really is. It's been that way all throughout history. And by that I mean, you know, the love of money. And when we talk about that, it's not just money in in the strictest sense of of currency. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the the sin of covetousness, the desire to get what God hasn't chosen to give to us. It's it's the outworking of our old selfish nature that's not satisfied with what God gives us, but we've got to have more and bigger and better and keep ahead of the Joneses or whatever it is. Well, we ought to be more interested in silver or in instruction, rather. Notice, and knowledge rather than choice gold. So here now we've got him speaking about uh, wisdom as though it is silver and as though it is gold and, and more important than silver or gold, and in reality, you know, the question we need to ask, what's most important to us? Now, you know, I can look out here and all of the faces and knowing you, I know what's important to you, so I'm not leveling any kind of charges against you. But when I think about the general population, I think it's obvious to all of us that the average person is more concerned about silver and gold and houses and land and all that. They're more concerned about that than they are about receiving instruction and getting wisdom from God. That's not even in their top ten, you see. And, and, and that's a big mistake because the answer to that question, the question of what matters most to you, not only reveals what your character is, but it also, in a sense, predicts what your future will be. Because if we don't have any concern about God's instruction and wisdom from God, uh, it's going to be a bumpy road. It's not going to end well for us. Now, verse 11, for wisdom is better than rubies. So now we've had silver and we've had gold, and now we're talking about rubies. But notice now, he's just going to wrap it all up, and he says, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. 
That's exactly what he said back in chapter number 3. And that was true the first time God said it. And it's true the second time God said it. And it's still true today. All of the things that, that might be desired are not to be compared to the excellency of wisdom. Uh, and there's so many people, you know, that they've got, they've got their, their list of things that they want out of life. I want this and I want that. And, and like I said, wisdom's not even on the list. And every one of us needs to be daily trying to increase our wisdom. And the only place to get it is from God. Verse 12. Uh, he says, I wisdom dwell with prudence. Now, prudence speaks about tact or cleverness and uh if you know if i'm you know talking about here all this is in a good context of course we're not talking about the the kind of cleverness of the devil and we need to realize to succeed in life that uh we got to have wisdom to have wisdom when you, you find prudence they 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 dwell together that's the point and so if we lack wisdom we're going to lack prudence. You know, there's a, in, the, in the business world, for example, uh, somebody that is prudent, that is tactful and clever, and, uh, and, and so many times they can turn the tables on their, on their adversary, uh, you know, in ways that they, that they don't even know they've been beat until the deal is done. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. And I'm not talking about dishonest stuff now whenever I say that. I'm talking about you've got to be tactful in what you do. And you, you, do, you can't just depend on your reason or you can't depend on a suggestion that somebody else makes. And so we need wisdom. And along with wisdom comes prudence in, in, in dealing with the affairs of our life. And then he says, and find out knowledge of witty invention. Witty inventions, and, and uh, that's kind of confusing to me. And so, you know, I started looking to see what everybody else said about that. Witty inventions, and, and, and basically it's things that's difficult to understand. And, and the point is that wisdom enables us to comprehend things that others can't comprehend. And a lot of times people, you know, say about somebody, well, I, I just don't understand how they know so much about the Bible. It, it, that doesn't mean they're necessarily smarter than you are. It doesn't mean their IQ is higher than your IQ is. It means that they have sought wisdom from God and God's given them wisdom. And as a result of that, they're able to understand or to comprehend things that, that, that others just don't get. And it's what I was trying to say Sunday. Somebody says, well, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I know a lot of people are against it, but I just don't see anything wrong with it. Well, you know, if they'd ever mature and grow up, they'd see something wrong with it. And so they want to blame everybody else and say, oh, you do. you got to be a legalist, you know, to, to believe like that. Well, a lot of people don't understand things that they need to know and things they could understand because they haven't sought after wisdom. Now, I'm between a rock and a hard place because we come to verse 13 and all the way down through verse 21, 
he's going to talk about the benefits of wisdom. And I know this is a bit earlier than what we, uh, what we normally cut off the lesson, and, 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 but we're going to stop. That's what I'm trying to say, if I can quit stuttering. feel like Mel Tillis up here. And, but, uh, but we're going to stop right there. I just think it's a good stopping place. Remember, we're talking about the excellency of wisdom, and we've covered two things tonight. It's available and it's valuable. And, and in these next verses, and if I get started, you know, I, I can't get to where I want to go without going way in overtime, and uh, we won't do that. But we're going to talk, Lord willing, next week about many of the benefits that, that wisdom provides. So I hope you'll be here. Uh, this is something else we don't always do, but if somebody have a comment, or it can be in the form of a question, an observation, or a comment, or Brother John?